Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. The driver head was in need of a drastic change in order to provide more performance, so TaylorMade changed the shape altogether with their new Sim Driver, which allowed them to make it fast and forgiving where every golfer needs it, the downswing. The pros love the new shape, but the biggest reason TaylorMade changed the shape was to help make you into a better golfer. Check out TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. I'm Rex. He's Lav. Lab, we're coming off a World Golf Championship. We're heading into the PGA Championship. So I'm going to take a brief look back at last week and marvel at what Justin Thomas accomplished. Uh, and I was very, very impressed as well on Brooks Kepka. But sitting at home, I'm curious what your take was for Memphis. Sitting at home, is that, is that a dig at me that, that we're not getting uh, two credentials per event as you currently sit right now in the media center? at uh, TPC Harding Park. I can hear the ambient noise in the background of, of, of the, what, 23 journalists who are there just, just bustling with activity. There's three uh, of us in here now. There's, there's, there's three of us in here. And I, and I, can see, I can see you rubbing your hands. Are you implying that it's a little bit uh, frigid in San Francisco, at least compared to Memphis? No, no, that was a hand sanitizer. Maybe you heard the spray. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> 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 of, of course you're, you're sanitizing. And my muffled voice was the mask that I have over my head, such as life in the age of COVID. No, I, I, you, you, were, you were obviously there in Memphis and got to see it uh, firsthand. But I was, I was really impressed with what Justin Thomas was able to do, uh, particularly in the final round. Um, a, a near flawless 65 uh, on a day when, when he did get some help. I mean, Brendan Todd, Ben been on and, and Ricky Fowler all backtracked to him uh, but the way in which JT won I, th- I thought was probably going to be particularly satisfying for him you know he, the fact that he erased a four-shot deficit on the final day and he kind of talked about how he didn't you know he kind of followed his his game plan and uh, he didn't get caught up in leaderboard watching which has kind of doomed him in the past he he certainly avenged uh, the late collapse that he had just a couple of weeks ago at Mirfield Village um, and now Rex with, with three wins, I think he's put himself in the driver's seat for PJ tour player of the year. Once again, an honor that he won a couple of years ago, we got five tournaments left in the schedule, very big tournaments, uh, mind you, but, uh, with three wins, you have to think that he's currently the front runner for player of the year. Yeah. I wasn't rubbing that in at all. I was a little jealous. Cause I think you did, uh, you did sausages on the grill yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, or is that today? Uh, that's, that's today. As soon as this podcast wrapped up, I have done ribs, uh, and I was thinking about getting a brisket flat. Uh, I couldn't quite pull the trigger on. I didn't like the price. Uh, we can, we can get back to that, uh, 
next week, since of course I will not be at the PJ Championship uh, with that one credential rule as we've uh, firm, firmly established. Yes, I'm trying to rub it in because I'm getting grab and go food. But by all means, you know, feel bad that you're at home and I'm here. That's you were just in exactly. Memphis. You were just in Memphis <laughs> having Gus's did, fried uh, chicken. I did. Yes, it was. It was very good. I will say this, and I don't want to name the player that, before I get off topic. I don't want to name the player, but uh, there was a tour player in Gus's the night I went after we did the podcast. It was on Monday, I believe. And uh, and I went and I got it and it was divine and I loved every single bite and it was spicy and delicious and sweet and savory. And I saw the player the next day, and I'm like, wow, that was some, some sort of place. And he goes, I, I did not get out of the bathroom last night for 12 hours straight. <laughs> like, oh, my. So apparently I got I, – I, it was like a lottery. I, I think I won that lottery versus the tour player. So I was very happy with myself. Good goodness. He was in the bathroom for, for not COVID-related reasons, but for fried chicken-related reasons. For Gus's related reasons. Not to throw it, Gus's under the bus because, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Yours, it, it, yours, yours was fine. Did you, did, you go to, did you go to Rendezvous? Uh, I did go to Rendezvous and I went to the commissary because you could eat outside at both places. Actually, I got, I got takeout at Rendezvous because I don't think they're open. So uh, I went by and got takeout and then I went to the ribs, uh, ribs, I'm guessing. Uh, ribs and brisket. I went both. I oh, went both. Combo yeah. platter. Sure. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I mean, when in Rome, Expense, you know what I mean? Expense account, just racking it up. <laughs> That's right. I wasn't paying for it. Who cares? To get back to the golf, I will say this, and this is fascinating to me because uh, early on Sunday, as you and I are wont to do, I start typing in notes, thinking I might need this later in the night as I get ready to actually sit down and start writing. And I type this line into my laptop, and I, I cut and paste it onto my screen right now just so I did not forget it. And it says, and it reads, Brendan Todd just locked up PGA Tour Player of the Year, a line I never thought I would write. And in, in my defense, he was on the cusp of winning for the third time this season. No one else has won more than twice. I think he has quite a few near misses. I'll go back to Sea Island last year and then a 3 p.m. just a few weeks ago. And if you look at consistency-wise, he has been the most consistent player, but it shows you the level of confusion. It shows you the level of just madness that 2020 has odd, become. Just an odd year. That I, and this is no disrespect to Brendan Todd. He, he's a wonderful player. He's, he's a great story, but I just don't put him in a category of player of the year. Now, JT salvaged that and maybe saved us all from ourselves because now he's won three times and he is now in the driver's seat. But the one, and, and you're absolutely right, JT getting over what happened at workday, not letting it affect him, not letting it affect him that he had a replacement caddy with Bones Mackay on the bag as his caddy Jimmy Johnson deals with some health issues. The thing that got me is Brooks Kepka, And if you look at his week statistically, and we have spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks talking about how bad Brooks is playing. But if you look at his ball striking, just statistically, no one in the field was better. And if he putts like you for four days, he probably wins by three strokes, which in my mind suddenly makes him, and we're going to get to the PGA Championship, but, and I don't want to let, you know, jump to this too early, but suddenly I'm thinking Brooks is going to win the PGA Championship. Oh, so now, now you want to use statistics to back up your claim. When last week, if oh. I recall, and, and we can have Kaz or Ray dig up, dig up some of the old recording. However, I used a statistic and said that Brooks Kepka was inside the top 10 last week at the, at the 3M in strokes gained tee to green, which was great progress from what we'd seen recently where he was just hitting it all over the map and leaving him in terrible spots and he couldn't get up and down and making bogeys and just tumbling down the leaderboard. That's, that's what we'd seen out of Brooks Kepka. He actually hit the ball pretty well over two days in Minnesota and just literally could not make anything. And so fast forward to Memphis a week later and Brooks Kepka adds putting guru, guru Phil Kenyon uh, to his stable. He's already got Claude Harmon third. He already has Pete Cowan. And now he adds Phil Kenyon 
which is a, a very formidable uh, trio of coaches that he's now using. And look, there were, there were some signs of life, Rex, uh, with the way the Brooks Kepka putted. It, everything that he's doing now makes sense. It, you know, he's kind of keeping the, the, the heel on the ground, and he's you know, putting it up in the center of the, the putter face instead of uh, keeping it on the toe like he always said. And, and look, he was still well outside the top 50, and it, w- it was not pretty. But when you lead a tour event in strokes gained approach, that is by and large the most important metric that you can use to look at performance. And Brooks Kepka led that even over Justin Thomas. I think that bodes very well. And the fact that he's made some changes in, in his swing to kind of alleviate some of the discomfort he's feeling in his left knee. Because I think I'm all aboard the Brooks train uh, heading into this week's PGA. I think he has a very legitimate chance now uh, to, to go for the historic three-peat. Yeah, I, I'm going to get straight to the PGA. And I would agree with you on that one. Because for all the reasons you just said, when you hit the ball as well as he did and you mitigate it by the fact that, look, TPC Harding Park, I haven't had a chance to see a whole bunch of it. I just walked on property. But there's Poa Greens, and it's not going to be a putting contest. We know that coming in, which is only going to help someone like Brooks. But if, if Ray could re-rack the sound from last week, he would pull up sound that says, just don't throw the agate page at me. I agree with your stats, but you just started rattling off stats one after the other, and I just begged you, okay, throw some opinion in there. That's all I said. Now, moving ahead to the PGA Championship, and since we've already established Brooks as one of our favorites, if we had to go head-to-head – and let's face it, it would be so much fun to go head-to-head. Would you pick Bryson in the amp pile, or would you pick Brooksy? Oh, I would pick Brooks for sure. I'm, you look at current form. I like the way the Brooks is trending with his ball striking while Bryson seems to be going uh, a little bit in the opposite direction. The, the driver that was working so well in Detroit and, and other places during the restart has kind of abandoned him a little bit. He's, he's not hitting it nearly as far, and he's certainly not as accurately. And, and from all – uh, counts Rex it sounds like the rough is going to be juicy this week and so there is going to be a premium on hitting it long and straight uh, and even Brooks Kepka not at 100% uh, I would I would lean towards him uh, over Bryson all right well this is going to be fun I'm just going to go head-to-head matches because this seems like the best way no 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 hold on hold on last week remember we we talked about the top 10 favorites remember sure. and you kind of you kind of got on me because I didn't have Tiger inside my top 10 favorites I have listed on golfchannel.com Oh, good. My top, my top ten favorites for this week's PGA Championship, and then some others, some others who weren't consideration. And I, and Rex, I got to let's see, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I felt compelled to put Tiger on the list as my fifteenth. Yeah, I don't want to start at fifteen. I made it. I, do I want, made it. I, do, I made it to fifteen. I, I do want to walk backwards because I feel like since you put the time on the list, we're gonna, but we're not gonna get. We're, we're gonna start at ten and walk our way backwards. So your number ten favorite and one sentence why go. All right, so this so ten. This is kind of a sore. This is kind of a sore topic. I really had a difficult time. I wanted to put Daniel Berger, especially the way he's playing off Memphis. He has what three top threes and four starts, including a win. I uh, wanted to put Jason Day there. Uh, he's certainly shown some some signs of life for the past three weeks. I wanted to put Colin Morikawa there. He's played Harding Park a dozen times while in Cal, and obviously his his uh, iron play is excellent. I went with Patrick Cantlay. And the reason I went with Patrick Cantlay is because the time is now. Uh, he's solid across the board. And even though he's never played Harding Park, California kid, I kind of feel like it. Ten. All right. If, if Ray can do me a favor and give me access to your mute button so we can move this along. Nine, go. Uh, Terrell Hatton, third on toward strokes gain total. Uh, iron plays a separator. 
I saw Terrell Hatton just as an aside last week, and it was just kind of randomly. I was walking to get was, my grab and he, go lunch. Was he the guy who was in uh, Gus's? He was not. He was playing the ninth hole, and as I was walking to get my grab and go lunch, uh, I just happened to glance up and see him hit an approach that was uh, very, very fat and very uh, short. Oh, he played long. absolutely terribly last but week. He, I mean, it was he, his worst finish since the fall. But I saw him, and, and I even tried to find, and there was no footage, so this isn't on camera anywhere, but, but he had the best club fit, flip, and it was perfectly on, on point, like as good as Rory's was at Doral that year. This oh, was yeah. even Flame. better because he, it, he, he completed the follow-through, and before he was done with the follow-through, he had flung it 30 yards down the fairway. It was brilliant. I mean, he is just, he is just unhinged enough uh, to make me very interested to see how – the weekend at a major like he, he looked really good at bay hill we were both there uh we both thought he would crumble on the back nine and he didn't in what were very challenging conditions but but terrell hatton's been a top 10 pj tour player this year in what's been a, a very condensed season and if he's not a top 10 player then you're going to see an epic blow up number eight go uh this is where i slotted john rom um which eight? is a little bit yeah Jeez. this is a little bit curious but but Rex, i mean he's 10 minutes from being world number one but all right your eighth favorite go the, the reason why is just once in six starts since since the resumption of play has he finished better than 27th and that was the win at, at memorial now that was the closest that we're going to get to a major it was the toughest setup it was the deepest field but it also is looking like kind of a, an outlier based on how he's played over the past two months uh, I don't know that I would argue with that I will say that it seems like a major championship is next on the resume and that's not Oh, the best for sure. of arguments. Uh, but it, I will say that when you look at the way he's trending career-wise, maybe not in the here and now, but if you sort of just view him from 30,000 feet, you think a major would be next. And since we're only playing one major this season, it seems like this would be the one. Seven, go. Uh, this is where I put DJ. Uh, I had some concerns with the back injury, the way he imploded at, at uh, Memorial, and then he had to WD uh, from the 3M. But, but look, he finished – uh, top 12 last week in Memphis on a golf course that he's he's fared well at previously I think the arrow is pointing back up for him so I put DJ uh, at number seven he's obviously way too talented to just be stuck on one career major that's the first one I think I've agreed with you on six six is where I put Bryson and uh, we can get into the top five here but but I, I put Bryson at, at six which is probably three spots lower than I would have had him say three weeks ago uh, when he was kind of on that heater, but he certainly cooled a little bit in his past two starts. Um, and if he doesn't get the driver at least somewhat under control, uh, he's not going to improve on that career record in the majors where he hasn't finished better than 15th. Now, we, we spent some time talking about Brooks, but was that not the best troll ever in the history of ever? Oh, I mean, Bryson is so deep in in Brooks's head at this point. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it's a healthy it goes the other way. I disagree with you. I think it goes the other way. I think I think Brooks is trying to get in Bryson's head, and I think it might be working. I mean, Bryson doesn't have any, Bryson hasn't had any confrontation with with Brooks. It's all been Brooks who's been applying the needling. Oh, uh, I don't think you were there last year in New Jersey. There was a bit of a confrontation. That's why the Golf Channel cameras were were following every angle on that day. That was twelve they, months ago. I'm aware, but they've they've had a, a confrontation. Yes, they have. They haven't had one recently. It's all been initiated by Brooks. Right. And, and I think you're, we're forgetting, and no reason to revisit this, but I think you're forgetting that this is a major championship. And I just don't know how much I trust Bryson DeChambeau on a major championship venue. 
I, I, this is this is going to be the ultimate test case, a golf course where he's going to have to put the ball in play. He can't go swinging out of his shoes uh, and expect to contend this week. He's going to have to rely on other parts of his game. So next Monday afternoon, when we sit down and do this, you're, you're willing to declare the experiment a success or failure? Uh, I think it'll give us a good in- indication where this is headed. How about that? Five, your fifth. Five is where I'm putting the former world number one, and that's Roy McIlroy. Um, I think he's probably the player, Rex, that I'm most interested in watching this week. Um, his mind has tended to wander, and he's admitted this with this fanless experiment that the PJ Tours had, but there's some part of me that, that thinks that the weight and the history of a major is going to refocus him, even if it is going to be a flat atmosphere. Uh, the, the results speak for themselves, and the fact that he has five straight finishes outside the top ten, he hasn't done that, Rex, since summer 2017. He's not playing the way we're accustomed to seeing Roy McIlroy. So I'm putting Roy at five with hopes that getting back at Harding Park, getting back with the weight and history of a major uh, is, is going to kind of knuckle him down a little bit and, and we'll, we'll see the determination to finally end that major list drought. I like that. Four. Four, uh, maybe a little bit of a leap, I guess, but, but I'm putting Xander here. Uh, I like Xander Shoffley in the, in the four God, spot. God, you're I, such he, an ex-homer. Jeez, he make was, this one sentence. I'm not even sure if I believe it anymore, but he was my pick at the beginning of the year for the PGA, even though I thought it was going to be played in May, of course. Uh, but I like, I like Xander. The fact is, look, in the non-Brooks division, he's played the majors as well as anyone over the past couple of years. Um, the fact that he's a California kid, kind of like Cantlay, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to skew toward him as, as being able to handle these, these Poana and these bent uh, grass greens. Uh, I'm, I, I'm writing them down. So Xander for three. Uh, all right, so if Xander is my 1A to win this week, uh, Webb Simpson Webb Simpson is my 1B to win this week. The fact that he does everything well, and if this setup is going to be as penal as, as what the uh, projections were, at least heading into this week, I think that plays right into his hands. Um, he played well again last week in, in Memphis. He won at Olympic just down the road uh, in 2012. I, I think I – think, Webb Simpson's going to win a major this year, whether it's at the PJ or the U.S. Open, and he gets a first crack at it this week. And he, he was the last person to win a major in San Francisco, so I don't know that I would disagree with you. The only point I would bring up there is without Paul Tesori, who's struggling with some back issues, and so uh, Webb will need a replacement caddy. I normally wouldn't make this conversation. I mean, I normally wouldn't make this can, argument. Can he, have, can he have Jimmy Johnson? Uh, he cannot, and that's uh, – don't joke about that. It's not funny. Um, I, but I will say of all the caddy player relationships, in, of all the players that probably benefit the most from a caddy He's that's very, very involved, he yeah. leans on Paul a lot. And I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Webb, but Paul's a big part of that scenario. Your second is Paul, pick. Is Paul, is Paul definitely out this week? He is, yes. Oh, let's see, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, all right. So I'm not going to let that's you redo your list. Your second pick. This is where I'm going to put Brooks. I, I think Brooks – JT has earned that number one spot, and, and Brooks, the fact that his ball striking's taken a major leap, the fact that he now has Phil Kenyon taking an eye on his putting, uh, the fact that with this scenario last year where he was going for three in a row and he, he took Gary Woodland all the way to the finish line at Pebble Beach, I don't think he's going to be scared off or, or phased by the, by the weight of history and, and what, he's, what he's attempting to accomplish this week. So I'm putting Brooks to JT1. Just got an email. They are co-favorites at 10 to 1, according to Bet Online. So I believe it. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. And just so we can recap here and wrap, put a bow on this, Tiger Woods, 14th? 15th. 15th. Uh, so without much explanation, who is uh, 11 through 14? Boog, uh, okay. because of his 
his events since the restart. Uh, J-Day, uh, Morikawa, Tony Finau just ahead of Tiger, and then I put Tiger at 15. Are you are you gonna add are you gonna add like any analysis or your own? You're just gonna kind of nitpick with my list. No, no, no. I was I was very curious, and obviously you were happy about putting down your list, so I wanted to give you plenty of space to, to stretch your arms. And I did add plenty of analysis. I, I actually told you that Paul Tassoy wouldn't be on the bag, so that, that I, I thought feel he like was trying was to. I thought he was trying to get back. I, I wish I'd known that before I did the list, because now people are gonna think I'm an idiot. Well, probably not the best. Probably not. Where would, where would you put Webb Simpson now? Because right, I felt really good about three. Uh, I like top ten. I don't know if three is – no, no. Three is too high in my opinion. Again, for the reasons I just pointed out, that Paul is such a huge part of that relationship. Look, if this was – well, JT is a perfect example, right, without Jimmy Johnson on the bag, but he seemed to do pretty well with Bones. Um, I, did, I did find that relationship interesting simply because, well, he was paired with Phil for the first time since those two split up, so that was sort of the side story. But – it's, it's amazing how, and I'll give JT credit for this one, where he, he was able to take another voice and process it in the same way. And I think Jimmy Johnson is one of the best caddies on the PGA Tour. He is, no doubt. Yes, but I think, and Bones, look, he's Hall of Fame level, but still you get another voice on the bag, and I think there are times when that can get distracting. I'm not quite sure. if I was actually watching the final round with a caddy, and he was saying, he was impressed that, those two were able to connect and it's not the first time they had been together. They bones was on the bag at Sony and they've spent some time together and bones knows JT's game. But when you get in a situation like that, where there has to be so much trust, I guess I go to immediately to the 16th hole. And I was fascinated by that because bones has been in the trees a lot in that situation. I was curious if he was going to revert to his role on Phil's bag, or if he was going to address it as sort of JT's sort of replacement caddy and talking with both of them, and it was he, he did it as JT's caddy. He gave them two options, and neither one of them, they were both bold. They were both uh, calculated, however you want to put it. I mean, they were equally challenging, and he totally left it up to JT, where it was funny to me if Bones was in that exact same situation five years ago with Phil, I think the conversation would have been different. It was just a cool case study in my mind. Yeah, but look, I, I'm not trying to, to – um underestimate the, the role of the caddy on the PGA Tour, but it's still 99% the player. I mean, it's still up sure. to the player. The player is the one who's hitting the shots. And, and Webb Simpson's going to have Joe Duplantis on the back, who's a very serviceable caddy. I, if it's 99% for the average PGA Tour player, maybe Webb Simpson relies on, on Paul Tesori a little bit more than, than most everyone else. But the fact is, it's, it's Webb Simpson who's swinging the club. It's Webb Simpson who's making the final decision. It's Webb Simpson who needs to try and make the putts. Um, and so I, I'm not sure that it's that the caddy change is going to be enough to, to, to ding him that much. Um, and in listening to JT afterward, it, it didn't sound like bones played a pivotal role in his victory. I mean, maybe he was just kind of, kind of downplaying it, but um, you know, it's, it's still JT's, it's still JT's tournament. Oh, and, sure. Sure. And no. And bones, I, I think bones was relied on maybe a couple of times. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it adds um, style points. But I don't, I don't think it's a huge difference maker. No. All right, so you had an opportunity. You were on the road at Memorial, and you had an opportunity to see what life is like on the PGA Tour now. And I think we've all become accustomed to the quiet. And it's eerie on property. I'm not quite sure if the television-only product has really impacted that much, to be honest with you. I can honestly say watching other sports, uh, the NBA in recent nights, I don't know that I've been impacted by the lack of uh, fans in the stands. So, and I don't know if it's bothering me in baseball. This week is going to be different, though. I, I, I really believe, and you touched on it with Rory, 
but I'd like to get your thoughts on the idea that this is going to be a major championship like nothing we've ever experienced. It, it is. I don't think you're necessarily going to have a, a champion come out of this and think that there's going to be an asterisk involved. No, no, um, no. That's not what I'm saying. It's more about you touched no, on. Rory's not the only it one is that going struggles. To be, it, is go, it is going to be very weird. And I, and I think of, of two things of, of note that we've heard over the past month. It's the fact that Jordan Spieth believes that a major without fans will potentially be easier to win and allow someone other than the stars to shine because you're not going to feel the same pressure that you would of waking up on Sunday morning and having tens of thousands of fans either rooting for you against you if maybe you're paired with Tiger or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a different scenario. And Justin Thomas saying that, you know, the prospect of winning in back-to-back weeks isn't all that daunting this week because he didn't expend all that much adrenaline last week in Memphis because he wasn't getting too fired up and, and you know, the fans weren't carrying him to the finish line and he wasn't exhausted afterward. And so I think that's, I think that's going to be different. I, it's still going to be a television product. I think something's going to be lost in, in that sense on the major championship. But these guys are still going to feel it on the back nine. The, just the weight of history, it's, a, it's going to be a career-changing trophy that's that's still on the line here and i don't think anyone's going to view uh, a major champion in 2020 differently than they would any other year uh in, in major championship golf no and again i think the tv product what what fans have enjoyed over the last eight weeks has been almost seamless like look it, it is weird not having cheers especially on sunday afternoon and certainly i think the folks at home are, are picking up on that but it's still very very good golf it's quality golf they're still handing out trophies and that's going to be the same situation here. I just don't know. And it's interesting that you brought up what Jordan said and you brought up what Rory said. So we have the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Rory has clearly admitted that not having fans out here has caused my mind to wander. It's hard for me to zero in on what I need to do compared to the way I used to do the job. Whereas Jordan said it's actually going to be easier. I, I don't know that it necessarily makes it harder or, or better or, or whatever the case may be. I think what it does do is it, it makes you realize how much this goes to Rory's comments last week. Every event is defined by those fans. And this week probably isn't a great example. I would use the U.S. Open at Wingfoot versus the Masters. And that is two vastly different groups of people that define those particular tournaments. And we don't have those. I think, Rex, if you're looking look at the three majors this year that, that are, knock on wood, going to be played, and you were to rank them in terms of which tournaments will be most affected by not having fans slash patrons present. I would say the Masters, number one, not having, not having patrons at Augusta National would feel criminal in a way. A, because it's, it's just part of the soundtrack of that tournament. But secondly, without updated leaderboards, that's how players inside the ropes know exactly where they are. You know, you know if, if someone makes an eagle on 13, you hear it. If someone makes an eagle on 15, you hear it. Players inside the ropes know exactly where they stand based on the, the noise and the volume from the patrons. They know if they make an eagle on 13, there's going to be a roar. Players know if a, someone else makes an eagle on 15, there's going to be a roar. That's kind of how they do the mental gymnastics of where they stand without the digital leaderboards that are so prevalent in every other tournament in the world on that golf course. But, but Rex, I think the U S open would probably be least affected by having this, the, the fans in attendance, just because the soundtrack of that tournament normally is moans and groans and whining. And that's not going to be any different because those players are still going to be pissed off when they come off 18 and go into the, the interview area. And they're still going to light up our, our notebooks like they do every single year. And, and quite often there's, there's not a whole lot of cheers or roarings 
or, or roaring to accompany a U.S. Open. You're, you're confident they're going to be angry with the golf course and they're going to light us up? Always. They're going to, they're going Always. to put over the edge. We're already there. All right, so we've already ran all Death, the – Death, taxes, and players whining at a U.S. Open. We've already sprinted all the way to September, and we're talking about how USGA has messed up with another open venue. All right, uh, before uh, we get out of here, and I have actually two things I, I want to touch on. We, we have not, again, a bit of a victory on, in my mind because we've made it 20-something minutes into the podcast and have not brought up testing or protocols or, or any of that. And it's probably not even worth bringing up this week. However, there was another positive test at the Barracuda Championship. It was Brendan Grace, and it was Saturday going into Sunday's round. And this is – I think you tweeted it, and I think you nailed it in your tweet. This is the, really the first time there's been a positive test and a player who's been forced to WD that's impacted the competition because he was second – at the time. And, and I think we were all kind of waiting and wondering if this is going to happen. And it was sort of a seminal moment. Would you agree? I, I, I would agree. And, you know, just being T2 heading into the weekend, that's an opportunity for, for Brandon Grace to get back in the winner's circle. He's only won once on the PGA Tour. And it was kind of a double whammy of sorts because not only does he have to pull out of a tournament when he had an opportunity to, to win, but now he has to miss this week's PGA as well with the mandatory 10-day uh, quarantine at least. Uh, and so it's, a, it's an unfortunate case, certainly. And I'm actually surprised, Rex. What is this, week eight? Now, since the restart, that we haven't had more of these situations. I think, once again, it's a credit to the, the PGA Tour, uh, the officials, and, and certainly the players for doing their part and being held accountable and, and kind of taking uh, the responsibility themselves in order to, to get this thing off the ground and get us to a point where we can actually have a major championship this year, which I think is what everyone was, was hoping for. Well, and I think when we look at other sports, and we did the podcast last week, it was, we were kind of touching on this, but now you see what, what's going on in baseball, and, and it brings it home even more, at least in my mind, how much, yes, the PGA Tour set these protocols. They were very detailed, and they were very demanding for a reason. And the reason being is because once you start sliding down that slope where you have multiple positive tests, and baseball is dealing with it right now, at some point, the inevitable comes up. You're going to have to stop the competition. You don't want that to happen. And this is unfortunate. Like, this is probably not the worst-case scenario. That, of course, is an outbreak. But once you have it start impacting the competition, that, that's when you start looking at it sideways, and you would hope that this doesn't happen anytime in the future. All right, two more requests before I let you get out of here. One, if you had to pick one player to star in a Shark Week episode, because I was just watching uh, Mike Tyson in his Shark Week debut, and it, it was very, very funny, by the way. I would highly recommend it. But if you had to pick one player to, to do that particular – Let's call it role. Which would it be? What I mean, you're, are you talking about in terms of comedic value? You talk about in terms of bravery. What do no, you What do you want? Bravery? What do I care? What do you think you're gonna fight the shark? Shark? Wow. It's Shark Week. There's. I mean, there's at least some semblance of courage that goes into it. No, no, no. You you, you clearly did not see the Mike Tyson episode. You didn't I didn't. No, I haven't seen it. it I've been I've been deep. I've been deep. I've been deep in in, in money heist. On, on Netflix, deep in the oh, Money Heist game. Excellent very good. One show. Apparently deep in lists as well, because you went 15 deep on a list. You said you were only going to go 10 deep. Well, at least I didn't go uh, 156 deep, right? Uh, but to, to answer your question, I would do Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, why Tommy Fleetwood? Just personality-wise? Is that what you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going personality-wise with this. Uh, this is this is sort of the story that I wanted to get to. That's good. I like Tommy, because Tommy is entertaining. He's a, he's a funny guy. However, I said something about Joel Dahman uh, to a Oh, God, be glorious. Glorious. And I said, uh, and he had never been paired with him before. And, he, and I go, oh, he, he might be the funniest guy on the PGA Tour. Like, he's so witty. Oh, he's an absolute he delight. 
And so this was on uh, Saturday. And I don't know if you saw Joel's round. You probably didn't because he started like – Oh, but I saw the clip. Uh, you did not see it. Social... I saw a social media clip that was since taken down of him effing everything and everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's – Oh, Joel. yeah, that's, that's the one. So, but on Saturday, he shoots a round of eight birdies. He bogeys the first hole. So he ends up finishing seven under, which last week at TPC Southwind, that's a 63. Very, very good round. I even asked him, at any point in your round, did you think about 59? And he sort of dismisses it. I later hear that he walks to the first tee, and it's misting. It's been raining overnight. Uh, they're playing the ball lift clean in place. And he turns to everyone on the tee, and this is the true story. And he says, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the ball down today. That, that way my 59 doesn't have an asterisk on it. <laughs> oh, he's a national treasure is that not brilliant and then it, it like and i had to circle back around after i heard the story and i'm like you told that story and it never even dawned on you as you're eight on at eight birdies into your round that hey, maybe this might be the greatest thing that anything's ever anyone's ever said on a first tee ever and he goes hey, he hadn't even thought about it that that's true brilliance right there <laughs> i don't i don't want him on shark Bay. i want him to have his own sitcom uh yeah I, I would like that. All right, so I'm I, would, I, would I would definitely subscribe. All right. Since we're coming out of this, and since I wrote the line, Brendan Todd just wrapped up player of the year, and I line I never thought I'd write. Your list, which probably should be about top five, let's face it, coming out of next week, is who should be player of the year. So next Monday, you get, you get down with that? What, you want me to do a top five right now? No, next Monday for the show. I'm giving you a seven-day head start. You got plenty Are of you time. Saying are you saying that what, what happens at the Wyndham is not going to significantly alter the, the race for player of the year? I didn't Cause ask. Because that's, that's, what, ask. I'm, cause that's what I'm saying. Wyndham Rewards winner, I asked for PGA Tour player of the year. Those are two different things. That's fine. I can do that. All right. You got it. Who's your, it. Who, is your, who is your pick to week? Who is your pick to win this week? Uh, I'm going to go with Brooks for all the reasons that uh, – Wow. What a, what a limb. Uh, it, well, I didn't know you wanted me to go out on a limb. I didn't realize we were, we were making – this wasn't going to be daredevil stuff. I mean, if you want me to go out on a limb – I don't know. I'll pick one of the club pros who always are good stories. But I just think Brooks, for all the reasons, uh, ball striking wise, I don't think anybody's hitting the ball better than he is right now. And I, I really think, and I wrote this in a column last week, and I was very, very proud of this line. Of all, that entire team that he has around him, I will say that everybody needs a Pete Cowan in their life. Because Pete Cowan laid into Brooks last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, I'm sorry, when they finally got a chance to work together after Pete came back from England. And, uh, and it's been described a couple of different ways to me, but when I finally asked Pete about it, he said flatly that his line was, you're never going to win anything with an attitude like that. And, and I kept mm. thinking to myself, everybody needs a Pete Cowan in their life. I'm telling you, I mentioned on the podcast last week, the fact that Brooks can actually get his entire team together for the first time since the players was going to be significant. I didn't think he was going to potentially win the WGC uh, and now be kind of a, a, a no doubt about it number two favorite this week uh but the significance to that can cannot be understated the fact that the peak count is one of the best in the world and now you've got putting guru phil kenyon and claude Harmon, obviously is a, a terrific swing coach in his own right that's a very formidable stable that has brooks kepka pointing upward once again and it's worth I, pointing you're absolutely right i think claude Harmon is the foundation in that relationship and that's absolutely worth pointing out Absolutely. And look, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Xander. Go Xander, go uh, make Rook Rex look like an idiot uh, and go win this thing by five. All right. Put the pom-poms away. That'll do it for this golf central podcast presented by Taylor and the all new Sim driver. We'll see you next week.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.